Hello everyone, I'm Mr. Frisco and this is my real estate show. Today on my show, Frisco Housing Markets Insights, we will talk about communication skills with my guest Michael Head with uh, Life Languages International and what's new going on in Frisco and North Dallas business and, uh, and social life. Meet Mr. Frisco, a realtor selling residential real estate in Frisco and far North Dallas. As a former professional athlete, track and field, and strength and conditioning coach, Mr. Frisco immigrated to the USA 20 years ago with $50 in his pocket, a suitcase, and zero English to pursue the American dream and build a successful real estate business. Hardworking, persistent, customer service, and detail-oriented, Mr. Frisco strives to secure a smooth closing on his client's biggest investment, their home. He puts his experience and knowledge to serve his clients the best way possible. Building his business by referral allows him to maintain relationships with his clients and serve them even after the transaction is closed. This is Frisco Realty News with Mr. Frisco. Let's see what was happening on Frisco real estate market in April. Median Frisco existing home price for April is 14.3% lower compared with the same time of the last year, reaching $652,500. The median price for April decreased 2.4% compared with March. Inventory on the market is 24.4% higher compared with the same time of the last year, with 224 houses for sale on the market. and. It increased 2.4% in April compared with March. The median existing home sales for March is 36.2% lower compared with the same time of the last year, reaching 148 sold homes. And the home sales for April decreased 10.8% compared with March. Median days on the market in April is higher compared with the same time of the last year, reaching 9 days, but it takes 4 days less in April to sell a home compared with March. The month supply of inventory on the market is 1.4 months, which is still very strong seller's market. And now it's time for my guest. Let me introduce you to Michael Head with Life Languages International. Hey, Michael. Hey. Thanks for coming to my show. How are you? I am doing great. How about yourself? I'm great. I'm great. It's so finally you made it uh, and uh, with uh, your life languages, but we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Um, what's your background? How uh, You started with IT, I believe. Right, that's before, correct. And uh, did you start as a... Uh, you know, like a, your private business or, or what did you do in IT? Well, with IT, I, I started off um, actually programming computers. And then after that, for whatever reason, I got into sales. And with selling computers, I had to learn how to talk to people. I was a super shy person. And so I had to go through a lot of training to learn how to be able to just literally go up to somebody and say, and I used to memorize this line, by the way. Hello, my name is Michael Head. How can I help you? I literally had to memorize that line. So I went through a lot of personal growth early on and with the technology as, as it evolved. So I got involved uh, prior to the personal computer. And so as the personal computers came out, I started working with them, selling them, having fun with that, taking a lot of courses, learning how to improve myself. And part of what all happened is I got involved in a, a kind of a 
process of self-improvement. And through that, that also helped me in my career because I became a consultant, started doing large projects worldwide, traveling to places like Caracas, Venezuela, and Taipei, Taiwan, and helping companies implement their technology and even training on Microsoft. So I became a, a Microsoft certified trainer, which actually, long story, I got blackmailed into that because I did not want to be in front of a room, even at that time. So I had to learn how to present in front of a room, do all that. And so I went through a process even again, tapping into people like Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Dennis Waitley, and trying to learn from all the masters on how to be able to get out there and be successful. And then, of course, that drove me into create my own business. So I started a consulting business of my own. And my first big client was a little company called Microsoft. And so they brought me in and I traveled around the world training their uh, trainers, training their support staff. I really, really enjoyed it because I got to see people move from the place they wanted, weren't to the place they wanted to be. So it was pretty exciting to go through that process. And along the line, I was a student of learning how to communicate better with people. Well, that's great. Um, your passion to travel, does it come from your initial work with Microsoft and consulting work, or you just have it uh, in you? Uh, or it came from your wife, Lisa? Well... That, that one's, I got to shorten that story quite a bit because I grew up small country town, didn't even know travel was a thing. I had never even been on a commercial plane by the time I was four, 24 years old, and I had decided to go get my pilot's license. So my first time in an airplane, I was learning how to fly. I did not get my pilot's license, but I almost got there. <laughs> I did a solo and, and then life got in the way. So I really wanted to travel. And luckily with the consulting firm that I got involved with, one of the first things they wanted me to do was go to Caracas, Venezuela. And that was my first passport. So my first trip really was to Caracas, Venezuela, and I would go work there. And from that, I developed a passion for culture because anytime, and even with my wife, when we go somewhere, we're tapping into the local culture. You know, we're not going to experience anything, you know, that I could do here. When I went to Taipei, Taiwan, for example, my students wanted to go to Mario's Pizza for lunch. And I was going, that's not going to happen. I want to go someplace where I can't read the menu. That's where I want to go. So they did. They took me places and dared me to eat food that I was more than happy to eat. So I developed that passion. By the time I met my wife, uh, I was already, you know, I'd already helped my first wife become a travel agent because I wanted us to be able to tap into the discounts. And then when I met her, we were both involved in scuba diving and she was arranging all the trips. So I went into her office one day and I said, we got to find a business that can wrap itself around travel. So number one, we can get a tax deduction. Number two, we can travel more. So it's, it's been a passion of mine uh, ever since that first trip to Caracas. And then I started making regular trips to Mexico and everything else, even back when I was just single and on my own, having fun scuba diving. Wow. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> So, um, from IT, right, travel, right, and you ended up with um, life languages. Uh, I communication to me is not only be, uh, 
part of my work that's important, but it's been kind of a passion. Uh, and I think that many people, uh, each relationship doesn't doesn't matter which one, is it uh, a, a, you know what I think uh, business relationship, romantic relationship, uh, friendship is based on communication to have a healthy relationship, and communication is a weak part in many people. So uh, how did from IT? Uh, even you, when you travel, you have to communicate. Right. That makes the travel more fun. Right. Uh, so how 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 did you end up with life languages from IT business? Well, it literally started 30 years ago. I was on the client coaching side of it by the founder of the, the organization that I work with now, Fred Kinder. He uh, basically guided me through this thing that made me realize how I communicate. It had never been something that had been revealed to me before. And of course, that evolves over years. I've, I've gone in and had the assessment multiple times, and each time it varies slightly because as you grow, your communication styles grow. So I got involved with that early on, and it was just one of those things that I was using in my career in order to help me become a better communicator. And so I would use it, and I could, I could basically identify after getting to know somebody a little bit what their default communication styles were. And you're right. In any relationship where there's two people, you and your, you and your children, you and your brothers and sisters, you and your people you work with, salespeople and their customer, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Communication is what you're relying on because you're hoping that when you communicate, you're being understood. And you also expect when they're communicating back to me, you understand what they're talking about, which doesn't happen a lot. Matter of fact, in most companies, it does not happen. And usually what you find out is as long as you're talking to someone that speech, speak is, speaks, yeah, there you go, speaks your same language, you feel a connection, you feel that you're being understood. But when you're speaking to someone that maybe their languages are a little different than yours, then you are not understood, there's frustration, there's lack of performance, there's lack of things, continuity, things going on. You know, it's kind of like I even have said often, you know, here in America, we only really need to know one language, usually English. Now, in some cases, it's good to pick up a couple of others, but usually most people in America need one language because we can travel hours and that's all we're ever going to encounter. You go over to Europe, UK, those kind of places, within 45 minutes, you can be within another language. So it's out of necessity that you need to be able to speak multiple languages. Well, in these languages, you're communicating with different types of people. So if you're just talking to the same people all the time that speak your language, then there's no necessity for you to learn others. But if you want to be able to communicate with a lot of different types of people and speak different communication languages, you need to learn how to do that. So first becomes self-awareness, how do you speak? And then secondly, internalizing, understanding the other languages so you can be a better communicator. The, this is very interesting because um, uh, as an immigrant and you as as traveler, I'm traveler too, mm -hmm. and, and you, when you when you get into a country that you don't speak the language, you feel helpless. And if you, if you go, uh, you know, with, uh, with a business, for example, and you are with people that don't understand their language, 
you are not productive. So, uh, is it? I believe that your your um, these languages uh, are very important everywhere in a business. Uh, but tell us first, uh, more in essence, what what is um, these life languages uh, are. In, in essence, you know, or, uh, is it like uh, what they express? Okay. Uh, it starts off with an assessment. So the first thing you need to do is is go through a, a little 20-minute, 30 if you take a lot of time, uh, assessment to where it just asks you simple questions. Each of those questions are very intuitive for you because you know you. I mean, if you don't know who you are and how you interact, obviously it's going to be kind of difficult. But most people kind of know how they naturally are, and those questions are designed that way. So when you get through, our percentage of accuracy is in the 90% because it's so easy to do the assessment. Once you take the assessment, what you really want to do is go through one of our workshops. So with the workshop, it helps you understand that 34-page report that's explaining to you the various languages that you speak, and then we help break it down into understanding which languages are easiest for you, which ones are a struggle, and then also identifying what those struggle languages are and how to communicate in those. So after the workshop, a lot of times what we do is one-on-one -on -one coaching to help you understand a little bit more. And if it's in a situation where it's a group or a couple, we'll even what we call cross-talk and cross-index those to help you understand where you are versus where they are and where the difficulties probably come in, whether it's just uh, business partners, husband-wife, or a team that works together. So the seven languages, just to kind of throw them out there real quick without any kind of a background or description, you know, we've got people that speak a mover language, so they're a little bit more you know, action-oriented. Matter of fact, all of the languages break down into three categories. Action, which is what the mover and the doer are. We've got the think, which is what the shaper and the contemplator are. And then we've got the act, which are what uh, are the, uh, just blank on that one, the think, which was contemplator, shaper. Yeah, I said that. And then act, no, so feel was the last one. And so when the feelers are the responders, and the producers, and I could have, you know, scrambled that up a little bit. Sorry about that. I was trying to keep each one in category. But anyway, they're broken down into three categories. So it really kind of comes into play. Are you acting first? Are you thinking first? Are you feeling first? And then which one comes second? So out of your strong languages, we can determine, or you will see that, that by your natural communication style, you may be going through each of those three categories because of the different languages that you speak fluently. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you speak fluently. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, how many languages are they? There are three categories, but how many languages are? A, a total of seven languages. Total of seven. So uh, that's why, okay. That's where the seven languages come from, yes. So we all speak all seven. So it's just to various degrees. So even in the languages, you know, I know I've got one that's down in the 12%. You know, what we're looking for is that 50% and above. The 50% and above is are the languages that you speak easily. The ones that are lower than that requires a little bit of energy. Matter of fact, you can even think about in your normal conversations with people. If you're communicating with someone and it's just effortlessly, matter of fact, you're probably energy driven because the conversation's going so great. They understand you, you understand them. It's just like, man, you get me. Very likely they're speaking the same language as you are. 
Now, in situations where you're trying to talk to somebody and it just seems like nothing's being understood, you just can't get through them. Every time you say something, it, they're going way off left base or right base, whichever way you go. Uh, very likely, their stronger languages are your weaker ones and vice versa. And so it takes a lot of energy. I mean, you probably have had situations where you had a conversation and you're just like, after you get away from it, you're just like, I am exhausted. That was the most exhausting conversation ever. And it's because <clears throat> of the mismatch in those seven languages. Wow. Yeah. Um, what's your focus? Uh, is it more in a business side or you just, uh, I don't say what you enjoy to do and who it. What's your focus? Like a business focus on business, on, uh, business side or more on the personal, uh, do work with uh, couples or uh, people that need to improve their communication? Well, obviously, I enjoy just working with anybody because I like seeing that process of them having their aha moments. But, you know, really what I got involved with it for, and I'd always been aware of it back when it was used a lot of times for couples or families or even uh, faith-based organizations like the staff. I mean, you think about it, you go to church, you can't have people going and going off on people. You got to have them be a little more understanding. But when it became a corporate type solution and it did shift over to where we were fo focusing on corporate, and it was really because corporate America came into the realization that they need to, you know, think about what they're saying to their employees, how they're talking to them, how they're communicating, because they're realizing that, you know, that, that people will leave if you don't treat them right. So there was a, a, a process in corporate America where culture became a thing. You know, they're trying to take little team trips and doing stuff together and having little events and getting everybody together so they can try to create some kind of community of where people can feel like they're uh, part of the community. And so with that, we were able to implement and even relaunch the whole program. It's been, it's still Life Languages International, but we relaunched re it under the brand of Communication IQ. And what that really translates into, you know, you got the emotional IQ and all those kind of things, intelligence IQ, uh, communications IQ comes to being able to understand the essence of communication. And so when we break down the seven languages within a corporation, now we're able to see it. And we even have identified, based off of 255,000 plus evaluations, we've even gone in and done some data analysis of all of those evaluations and even found out that executives on the C-suite typically communicate in these particular languages. And so if you know that already, then you can work with that. You know, most companies have an IT staff where they're totally on the opposite end of that scale. And so we know that, you know, if they're probably in the technology space, they probably t speak these languages. And that's out of data. That's not just assumption. That's not somebody just going, well, they probably do. It's based off of going and actually looking at the data that's been gathered through over 255,000 evaluations over the last 30 years. Wow. Um, do you have any observation if the productiveness in a company improves after they learn and improve their communication skills? Oh, absolutely. And I wish I could quote you the number, but it's, it's pretty significant uh, where we've gone in and actually measured that. So, it, it is one of those things that's measurable. 
I mean, you're getting a return on, on, on investment, the ROI on this big time, because you're seeing less frustration, higher levels of performance. I mean, people that in a lot of cases, I know some of the companies that we've worked with, uh, a lot of cases, people that just didn't want to have anything to do with that particular person in the company because it was always just a, a difficult situation. Now realizing, oh, well, that's that's how they communicate. And here's the bridge. Here's the gap on how we can communicate. And that's really what it's all about is creating a bridge to understand. I mean, yes, we can learn those languages that are not necessarily our defaults. But the reality is now if I understand how you naturally communicate and you understand how I naturally communicate, we can find a compromise in there somewhere to where now we can create a bridge and people that actually have been arch enemies within companies becoming good friends and going out and hanging out after work and that kind of thing because now they realize it was just a communications issue. It wasn't them not liking me or wanting to, you know, attack me. It was just that's the way they communicated. Now I understand that. I can deal with that. It saves lots of frustration and miscommunication with with people that you really don't speak their language because it happens that we speak one of the same language is easy. You know, like uh, if I came here speaking English, uh, it would it would have been much easier to me right. to to you know <laughs> to start my life in the United States. But it took me time, and uh, it's very interesting. But uh, when I was a kid and even um, uh, older, I never, never, um, f- I never felt a need to to learn another language. Right. Why, why mean, do I need it? Right. And then when I came here, I understood that I really need it. And um, it is probably the same with, not probably, it's the same with the uh, with these uh, life languages. Exactly. I mean, just like a, a foreign language, you know, I, if I go to Mexico a lot, which I do, I've picked up some words. You know, I, I can't speak. You'd think I could speak fluent Spanish after spending a lot of time in Monterey, Mexico, building a business, Caracas, Venezuela, building a business, and traveling to Mexico all the time. My wife, which has no necessity whatsoever ever other than her passion, speaks more Spanish than I do. But out of necessity, I have learned a few key words, you know, baño, cerveza, you know, some of those kind of words that come in handy when you're down in Mexico. And, you know, I can understand it way more than I can speak it. You know, same way when we went over uh, to Italy and France and some of those countries, uh, picked up enough to kind of know what's going on around me, you know, that kind of thing. So it's always good. The nice thing I liked about Greece is, yeah, they speak Greek, but they also speak a lot of English in Greece. Oh, so yeah. one of the best countries to go yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> they, they speak almost everywhere, but it's uh, it's a different perception when, uh, you know, the native people, they see that you try right. uh, to speak their language, to pick up some of their words and communicate with them when their language. They understand that you cannot speak it fluently or at all, but, you know, when you try, it creates a different perception and different connection with the, with the native people. It is absolutely the same, I believe, with the life languages. So when I try to speak your language, you are going to feel better. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Matter of fact, <laughs> one of the most dramatic examples of that was I was coaching a young couple. They had been married for four years, and they were having all sorts of frustrations and aggravations. And the husband had taken this assessment a couple of times. So he felt like he kind of understood it. And he was been had been coaxing his wife into taking the assessment. She was a little reluctant. And what had happened is he did one of the biggest don'ts of this assessment. And the biggest don't is don't 
use your language as a limitation. And so once we had her do the profile, he wasn't willing to go and speak her language because their languages were quite a bit different. But she was willing to speak his. So the big aggravation came in the fact that he was holding on to his particular language as a limiting type factor to where she was willing to bridge the gap and try to communicate with him. He would not. So, yes, exactly the same thing. That'd be like going to France and refusing to learn any French words whatsoever. Yeah. They're probably one of, I'm sure there's other countries that are picky about that too. But the French don't dislike us. They just want us to respect them. Yeah. You know, that's it. Matter of fact, they love Americans. You yeah, know, yeah. And, and that's a misunderstanding about French, by the way. Yeah. The, the, uh, this is exactly uh, uh, the right word, respect. So when you try to speak somebody else's language, right. it's a matter of respect and uh, and that person feels much better. doesn't matter he's going to be uh, French language uh, or life language. It is, I think it's one and the same. Uh, I, um, I was reading that uh, little book. Um, it's very inter- probably going to be very interesting to the audience to, to tell them there are certain languages that probably are related to some uh, kind of, uh, of work or profession just can you give us some example, for example? I think you gave me some uh, in the coffee shop right. when we, we were uh, talking. Just example, which occupy, like IT, what kind of language they speak, or professional athletes, or is it uh, some uh, similar relation between occupation and, and the life language? Oh, absolutely. Matter of fact, we actually got studies that kind of breaks that down, as I was talking about. And usually if you're in the IT sector, you're probably going to have contemplator as one of your stronger languages, which requires, you know, people giving you a little bit room to think about things and that kind of thing. But we also go into what can you do as a contemplator to be a better communicator. And one of those things is close what we call close the gap. In other words, when someone's talking to a contemplator, usually they're staring off. You can tell a con- high contemplator just by the fact that while you're talking to them, they got this blank stare on their face. And when you finish talking, they don't immediately jump in and, and respond to what it is you're talking about because they're still thinking about it. So one of the things they have to work on is closing that gap. At least say, oh, okay, yeah, let me think about that. You know, something along that line. And then you get into the executives or the upper management, which are going to have to deal with these contemplators. A lot of times we got a little combination of things. Usually there's a mover language speaking up there. And movers are all about just being action-oriented, to the point, quick and concise. They want to you know, make things happen. And then they could also be influencer depending on exactly, you know, if that's part of their nature. And influencers are always trying to raise the excitement, encouragement, and lift things up. Matter of fact, a lot of times if you're full-on influencer, you're probably the life of the party. And, you know, a lot of times you might be the cruise ship director. You know, but it also works well in the corporate environment. So one of the things that our assessment also helps do is let's say we go into a company. And we run the assessment and we find out that you've got somebody over in payroll that is high mover, high influencer, and they're sitting at a desk job all day long and can't get out and even talk to anybody. Well, they're in the wrong place. And they probably feel very frustrated because of that. So now we've just identified here somebody that has a skill set that could probably be over in another department within the company and be better utilized and probably be way happier. Okay. Uh 
do you believe that uh, in your case, for example, you change a lot in your language because of your occupation, because of, you know, you move to the cells, but do you believe that people are um, picking their job or profession based on their language intuitively uh, or it is just uh, influence each other? Uh, in, I mean, the language and the occupation. Right. Yeah, it, I mean, I think a lot of people just naturally fall into a career. You know, like, for example, for me, uh, in school I was good in mathematics. So my career paths that were kind of identified for me was I can go to be in accounting or, and at that time computers weren't really on the scene. Yeah, I'm that old. Um, so it was accounting, engineering, something like that, and then computers started coming out. So I had an aptitude for understanding difficult, complex type situations. So obviously that would be where my natural thing would go. I mean, obviously if you grew up in a family of doctors, you would probably naturally gravitate to becoming a doctor. If you grew up and you were very, you know, the class clown, oh, you got a lot of things you could do there, and that. Some of it could even be in sales or it could be in entertainment or all sorts of things. So I think most people just naturally kind of went in to what it is that their career really was. And maybe through trial and error, frustration and lack of satisfaction, they decided I needed to try something else that maybe fit what I am a little better. And so that's where unconsciously they probably were a little bit aware of how they communicated and maybe worked into a field that allowed that communication language to be more utilized and therefore giving them energy as opposed to draining their energy. And it it's probably the last one that I would like to ask you. It was very interesting um, how this company started and who started it. Right. Uh, Life Languages International. You just told me a little bit in the coffee shop. So uh, tell the people the history of that company briefly. Uh, who are the people that stayed behind that company? Absolutely. Yeah, the, the founders of the company are Fred and Anna Kendall, and they live here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, they're still involved in the in the company. Uh, the company did get recently uh, purchased by Daystar Communications, which is great because now that gives us a lot more resources and capabilities and that kind of thing. But they got involved. Uh, Fred was really the the instigator of the whole thing. He was in the Marines and he kind of noted and he was involved in a lot of situations where he got to evaluate the soldiers and some of that kind of stuff. So he he saw how different Marines reacted when they were given an order even and kind of was involved in understanding that. Later on, him and Anna, Fred and Anna uh, actually opened up a lot of psychiatric clinics. Well, you get to see a lot of different type of people in those kind of environments. So they got to really understand some of that communication. And even in their family, the dynamics was pretty distinct. And so they started looking, and it started off with five languages, by the way. And then they finally figured out they needed to break it down a little bit further, and that's where the seven came from. And so originally it, it was really just based off of helping couples. Matter of fact, when I first got involved, that's what I was. I was in a couple counseling deal. And back at that time, my my counselor was Fred Kendall. And so he's the one that took me through it. It was way before they ever got it computerized the way it is today. I mean, we, went, we can go through it in 20 minutes. He put me in a room with a number two pencil and I got to fill in the little square blocks that took forever. And then he took another 
probably 30 minutes to an hour to go through and analyze the whole thing. So now it's 20 minutes in, you get a 34 page report right there on the spot. You get to see, you know, and of course, by going through it, you get to see how that relates to you. And most people's reaction, because there's a high percentage of accuracy, most people's reaction is the same as yours was. Yep. That's the way I am. Yep. That's how I communicate. That's me. I can see that. I see that in me. And so it's very aha moment. And if you haven't gone through something like that, it's very revealing. And then you have something to work on because we're not going to just show you what your default languages are. We're also going to help you learn how to speak those languages that are not your default, which is a big, big part of it. It's not just a, a description of who you are. We're not labeling you. All right. Okay, uh, so now uh, if uh, somebody would like to improve their communication skills with you, how they can how can they reach you out? Uh, where, where can they find you? Find me a couple of different ways. I've got a website set up, headsmartgroup.com. Uh, on that website, it's got a couple of different things. So you, if, for the communications, you will have to click up on the menu and hit communications IQ. And that will take you into a lot of information, including links for both a free assessment that will identify your top language, the one you speak strongest, and then also a professional profile. So professional profile is $79, but that gives you everything. That helps you learn everything. And then from there, set up a coaching session, workshop, depending on your company. I, I work with everybody differently, depending on what the situation is, and uh, get a quote from me on how to take your workshop, and get your coaching session set up. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. Uh, thanks for attending my podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm still fascinated by that because I really love it. I really love it. So I still haven't opened my uh, professional profile, but I will do soon. Oh, well, that's great. Wonderful. Look forward to seeing what those other languages are. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> I am too. Okay, Michael, thank you very much, and... Um, Uh, I will see you soon. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Big news in a new corporate location is coming to Frisco. Extend Night System is moving and bringing new jobs with it. This relocation adds more evidence of Frisco's attractiveness for businesses and new home buyers alike. The relocation of the firm to Frisco's Uh, station office complex 4141 Frisco Green Avenue is nearing a completion and it should be ready by early 2023. This move will create 110 new jobs in Frisco and Mayor Jeff Cheney has expressed high delight to the same. Additionally, private wireless network service will be provided by the company to the Star in Frisco and the the Force Center. This was... um, announced by the company through a new release according to the local news source Community Impact. Their new 37,000 square feet headquarters is only the last relocation of a large company into the burgeoning Frisco business landscape. Extenet System, a private company leading uh, in LTE, 5G wireless and fiber a neutral host communication infrastructure solutions is relocating to be closer to their clients and industry partners. The company believes this move will help them stay at the center of the industry's ecosystem. 
as uh, capable as company is, nothing uh, beats meeting uh, customers where they pinpoint uh, happened. That's uh, why moving closer to clients is the right move to Extranet system and may other companies. Extranet system recently announced their plans to provide fiber and private wireless network services to AT&T Center in San Antonio and the Circuit of America of the America in Austin. And prior this announcement, they had already started their presence at AT&T Stadium in Dallas with telecommunications improvements. As more businesses move to Frisco, more people are making their move. Come see why so many call, uh, call Frisco home. From corporate headquarters to lifestyle op uh, options, Frisco is one-stop shop for a better life experience. So, when you're ready to, to find your Frisco forever home, please don't hesitate to contact me. Thank for watching and I look forward to seeing you in my next podcast in June.